I'm Paula Rogers-Brown, Business Community Manager for Connect Health Tech. And in this episode of Joining the Dots, we explore innovative educational programmes that equip individuals with the key skills and knowledge needed to embark on an entrepreneurial journey. Joining me today is Dr. Rebecca Myers, Head of Entrepreneurial Learning Programmes and Engagement at the Cambridge Judge Business School. Rebecca joined the JBS Entrepreneurship Centre in 2018 and has developed two successful programmes on entrepreneurship that serve the research community, Enterprise Tech and Enterprise Tech Star. However, for close to 20 years, Rebecca's home with the Department of Chemistry at the University of Cambridge an organic chemist by training, Rebecca is passionate about cultivating meaningful research impact and creating opportunities for researchers to thrive beyond academia. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. So tell me a bit about yourself and your career journey to date. Well, that's a very interesting one, Paula, because I'm kind of what you might call non-standard. I you know, didn't really have a craving for the sciences when I was at school, so I didn't follow any particular route then. And by the time I reached 29, I found myself married with two children with a nice job in London. But I just felt uh, a degree of um, lack of satisfaction or emptiness. And I started doing an open university course uh, in Science Foundation. And I then went on to do two or three second level courses in chemistry. And that was it. It was the light bulb moment. So from there, knowing that I wanted to go into research, uh, you know, an OU course with a few summer schools is not going to cut it in a practical based science like chemistry. So um, I took some advice from my tutor, the OU tutor, and he suggested I apply to Imperial since I was you know, close to London. And I applied. I think when I had my interview, I was about seven months pregnant with my second daughter and I got in for the following October. And having arrived, I mean, I had no clue what I was really letting myself in for at 29, you know, with two small kids. And when I got there, I was really surprised because out of my whole year group of about 82, I was the only mature student in my year, you know, and everybody else was 18 or 19. So that was quite an interesting gap. So even though age wise, I'm 10 years older than everybody, academically, I'm 10 years younger because I've managed to go through my degree, my PhD, always being 10 years older than the bulk of people. So, yeah, I did that and then came straight to Cambridge to do a PhD with Chris Abel, who sadly passed away uh, oh, 18 months ago or so. And Chris was phenomenal. He really just, you know, enabled me to settle into a research pattern that was less all about passing the exams. You know, I did my PhD with him in three years and three months. That was in the days when you still had to just do three years for your PhD, right? Now it's standard is four years. And then I uh, went on to do um, start a postdoc with Steve Lay, who for me is a, just a phenomenal guy and a, a tremendous pioneer in natural product synthesis. As we came careering to the end of 2017, and um, Steve's, you know, extended and extended retirement age from the department <laughs> was looming. You know, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do? You know, I've been there. I didn't really want to just go and recycle myself into another lab, carrying on doing stuff like that. 
And one of the things that struck me by other activities I was doing in the chemistry department with Shankar Balasubramian, who probably a lot of our listeners will know, with the medicinal chemistry training program. There's a real desire for people to, researchers really, to develop themselves in other ways outside of the laboratory. That can be towards, you know, different careers, but also to the, the sort of the internal questions you know, I was asking, and you know, prompted also by Shankar, well, are we training the right sort of scientists by the processes that we put them through during their, you know, PhD, or are we just creating sort of a, a a unit of technical skill, and that we add on a few feathers to hopefully that they will go on and be able to carve out some kind of career. So thinking about that, you know, I had made a couple of missions over to the Judge Business School just to have a little explore, and um, a role came up that you know I applied for and I honestly didn't think I'd have a hope in hell with no business school background but I did know the university well and I did know you know about the sorts of things that our research community would be very interested in so I applied and I was successful in that so that's the end of the career element and the other thing that's something that's been really important to me and in many ways has influenced how I approach some of the challenges in building programs and working with people is about 10 years ago, maybe a bit more, um, I qualified as a yoga teacher. So I spend a lot of time working with people and large groups through difficult challenges. It got me over my fear of public speaking and being able to work with physically and energetically a room full of people. And that's been a really wonderful element to my life. And I've been, you know, over the 10 years, up until lockdown, really, you know, teaching in studios across Cambridge. And, you know, the funny part of that is so many people at Cambridge are going to yoga classes and you can show up in meetings and you're running into people that you know from all of your yoga world, you know, and um, and that has been a very a wonderful thing, actually, you know, to have as a, a compliment. It's quite refreshing, Rebecca, to hear that most people talk about you meeting people across the, the Cambridge ecosystem and pub or the supermarket. But this is great. This is the first one and meeting at the yoga class. I, I really like that. So tell me a little bit more about your job at the Judge Business School. What's that entail? Really, it's about um, looking at fresh ways not necessarily new, but fresh ways of approaching entrepreneurship education at the university interface primarily. Um, in regard to the other activities that, you know, we've been known for through the school, such as the Ignite programme or Venture Creation Weekends, etc., you know, which are really working with early stage ventures. So what about the people that haven't got a venture? What do we do with them? Right. So it was looking at that space. There have been, you know, activities there in the past by um, other people involved in the entrepreneurship centre. And one of those was it was called eTech Projects. I didn't I know I never heard about it when I was in the chemistry department, but it had operated as sort of a project based um, activity. And Shima, you know, had done a, a, a very good job on that and built it up, I worked with uh, undergraduate programs as a borrowed paper. And I think it worked in a similar way to iTeams. Anyhow, so that was there. But, you know, I was thinking we just have to do this at scale. The appetite is there. So building enterprise tech 
I needed to tackle a couple of problems and perhaps we'll come on to that in a bit further in the discussion. Building the entrepreneurship education programme. So this is not about a task of having to build a, you know, sort of a, an accelerator or an incubator or to build a venture builder, I guess, build a venture builder. Um, it's not about that. It's about catalyzing people to become more entrepreneurial. And how do we do that? You know, there's a lot of papers and recommendations of how to do this in a higher education setting. And I've read them and some of it is applicable, but not all of it necessarily actually works with the people sat right in front of you. And that's the really important part is recognising the people in front of you and working with them to help them, you know, um, enable their own learning experience. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree. It is really about tailoring that journey and that experience and, and not looking at it as a bit of a production line. And, and yeah. you know, it makes it more of a personable process for those participating. So, so let's explore those um, two programmes a little further, the Enterprise Tech and Techstar programmes. How do they differ from other entrepreneurship programmes? You talked to, just in the previous mm question about you know potentially trying to solve problem there what is their usp okay so perhaps it'll help a little bit more if i just uh, you know delineate what the two programs do and how they work but i would you know encourage any of our listeners to go to the judge business school website look under entrepreneurship and you can see in there an enterprise tech and enterprise tech star with all those dates and loads of this information Okay, so Enterprise Tech, uh, you can think of it as an entry-level programme. It runs for about 12 weeks and it's mostly extracurricular. I know how stressed people are when their supervisors don't let them out of the lab, so I do it in a very sneaky way and try and condense it all the lectures into four days, including a Saturday. So if they wing it, then they might be able to get away with saying they're in the library. But to be honest... We do ask our applicants to check that their supervisors approve of them attending this. OK, so even though the 12 weeks we have uh, four days of intense lectures, they have to be there for that. The rest of the programme really works online or in person, but out of hours. So student teams work together in the evenings. They have supervisions in the evenings or Saturday mornings. So that works really quite well. So we need that commitment for 12 weeks. So with Enterprise Tech, students are assigned to a project, will come on to the projects, um, to work in a team. And through the intensive lectures and the material that they learn, they are then applying that to that real project that they've been assigned to. And they have a supervisor to help them, you know, translate some of that entrepreneurship and business school stuff to that real project. The end of the programme, you know, for the team is when they've completed a 3,000 word commercial feasibility study on the technology that they've been assigned to. They've also put together a, a video infomercial and they also do a live pitch and handle a bunch of questions from investors and, and the like. So it's a simulation so that they go through that whole experience together. A couple of things to really point out about enterprise tech is that students don't get to choose who they work with and students don't get to choose the project they're assigned to. OK, so 
a few reasons for that and I've been very militant about it over the years because as soon as you let one person do it then everybody else will find out. The biggest learning experience apart from the exercise of entrepreneurship and that learning process is that real world experience of working in a team and in a team you don't get to choose who you work with. And you don't necessarily get to choose what your project is, you know, you're assigned to. So, and also for us, you know, when we look at, when we choose the projects to take on, you know, we really want that project to have the, you know, the best chance of success and a really good outcome for the inventors who sent it in. And when you allow, you know, my thought process is when you when you permit a group of people to choose something, then you get this sort of groupthink process where, you know, you have a biotech project and then all of the biotech people or data scientists people all want to do that. So then you get a very limited pool of experience and thinking and creativity around a project that they're comfortable with. So. If you have a project, say, that's quite, let's say it's quite a hardcore biotech project, and then you have a PhD student from the humanities assigned and a gas turbine engineer assigned and a, perhaps a, a laser physicist. OK, so then you have this diversity of thinking to tackle the project because they're not there to try and solve the technical problems or limitations, present limitations with the technology. It wouldn't matter what they were assigned to. They have to focus on the commercialization elements and the business elements of that technology and how that might lead to some you know, useful commercial product. So when people sign up for enterprise tech, we interview them all. They basically sign a letter to say, yeah, I know all this and I still want to do it. And that's that's a great approach. It's a great approach. And just on that, and you, you said you had to be quite um, assertive and militant, you said. Did you find that there was any pushback on that, on that approach? Or were, you know, the powers that be more open to this type of this approach? Because it is unusual. Um, I think, you know, Paula, enterprise tech, we've had 10 cohorts in four years. And in that time, we've had, through Enterprise Tech, about 640 students, so which is a considerable number. And if you start allowing lots of free choice in a 12-week programme, <laughs> and there's a team of me, my colleague, who I'll talk about later, Gina, and a programme administrator, Ollie, and we're already working flat out, then it would be a nightmare. So in a way, it is a more personalised but slightly cookie-cutter approach to just getting the job done, right? And it just simplifies things. So that is Enterprise Tech. Enterprise Tech Star is for any graduate of Enterprise Tech who've been through that experience, who has their own business idea that they would like to develop further. And this might be something that's in a very nascent state or it could be very early stage lab results that they want to really look at in more detail about preparing a narrative around that business idea so they can communicate it more effectively to perhaps get themselves into an incubator or onto an accelerate, an early stage accelerator or perhaps put together, you know, uh, competition papers so that they can move on to the next steps. So Enterprise Techstar is a follow-on programme, but it's also very selective as well. All of the students that come onto that programme, you know, we have pretty high expectations of where they might be able to go and what they can do next. So 
in terms of the and um, the benefits, can you talk us through, Rebecca, what the benefits are for the different types of, of participants? Um, because I think there's different types. There's an individual type of participant and an organisation type. So what are the what are the benefits? Okay. Yeah. So we talked quite a lot about the student element on enterprise tech. So the students, let's look at who can apply. Well, pretty much anybody. You know, first of all, in the first couple of rounds that I, I, I ran, it was mostly PhD students and postdocs at Cambridge. And then we put in a December programme so we could have master's students because they have a much shorter year. But now, in you know, the last couple of years, we've opened it up to undergraduates, PhDs, postdocs, research-based staff, research-focused staff across the university and other universities across the UK. So not all universities are blessed with so many opportunities for entrepreneurship for researchers and, you know, enabling their cohorts to have access is something that I feel is really important for, you know, addressing some of the, you know, shortfalls that other places might have, you know, Um, but also it increases opportunities for collaboration. And that to me is really, really important. So, University uh, uh, Wrexham, but we have University of York. Um, we've had the John Innes Centre in Norwich. We've got students signing up from University of Salford for this year. Uh, we've had students from Oxford. So actually, this is really nice because it's bringing other researchers in from elsewhere, working in a team with a bunch of Cambridge people as well. And that then, you think about that team relationship building over the, the 12 weeks and how that you know, those people go back into their environments and it starts to, you know, catalyze other interactions. So projects are super the, the student teams work on are what I call inventors for simplicity. Now, inventors are generally more senior people in labs, like senior postdocs or lab heads or people that are already building their first venture or early stage ventures that have already got a bit of seed funding, perhaps. We've had projects come in from hospitals that are working in innovation centres. So quite a wide range. And they can go online and submit a project for a team to work on. And usually these are not straight out of the brain onto paper ideas. There is some substance to it. They've also developed the idea a bit, but they might either have some snags in really understanding the market for a new application of their technology, for instance, or you know, they just need some extra brain power and hands on deck to help them get to the next stage, perhaps. And the projects that come in from the inventors, we interview all the inventors and select you know, a a number appropriate to the size of our cohort. And the inventors then, you know, come and meet with the team on the launch night, talk about the technology in some detail. And they're there over the course of the 12 weeks, but they're not steering the student team as though it was a private consultancy organisation or unit. So they're there to answer questions, to try and solve any divergence in thinking or approach, to keep the project on track. 
And the, the real responsibility, in a way, for the commercial feasibility report, yes, it's all the students who do the research, the market research, the, uh, you know, the, the detailed background checks into IP. It's the supervisor that we assign to that team. So in a traditional sense, like we have at Cambridge, you know, you have somebody who's a supervisor of a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, undergrads or PhD students. You know, so we have a supervision approach. Uh, we have a great pool of supervisors. You know, they're not all faculty. We get people that have, you know, set up their own businesses, um, some superb leaders across the sort of the scientific and technical community. Um, and people can sign up to be a supervisor for a team uh, on enterprise tech through our website. So they then get to opportunities to build their networks. Likewise, for the inventors, you know, we've got a thriving um, entrepreneurship scene, not only through the Judge Business School, but across Cambridge, as everyone will know. And this is a real, you know, it's just a great way to sort of spread that a little bit and connect people. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Uh, just going back at the, the start there about the participants from, from across the UK that, yeah. that you have involved and engaged, you know, and bringing, bringing that net knowledge and expertise in and sharing out. Um, it just reminds me so much of what Connect Health Tech is all about. It's about democratising access to the wealth of knowledge and expertise and, and just sharing experiences on that journey, that entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, I think, I think it's a great element. I love that element to it, um, Rebecca. That's really great. And then yeah. it's, it's a really important important element for me to grow I just yeah. at the moment I just uh you know this year I want to do more of that and get that message out there more because I would like to see more people coming from you know other universities absolutely can you briefly highlight a participant who's had a notable positive outcome at all yeah, well, a lot of the enterprise tech star students, if you think about 640 of them, and many of whom have all connected with me through uh, LinkedIn anyway, and I do see stuff moving up, but, you know, um, it, keeping track of over 600 students is really, really hard. Of, of our enterprise tech star students, there have been 54 of them. We have at least 17 new ventures. But out of this year's lot, we've got seven of our 14 enterprise tech star students that were accepted onto the Accelerate program at Cambridge. No, I had nothing to do with that. It's completely separate from me. But it means that we're preparing them to be able to get onto these programs. And that's really important. Um, of our last year's cohort, Liz Lee from the engineering department, PhD student there, she came to us with a, a really fascinating proposal on Enterprise Techstar about self-healing concrete. And this was part of her research. So she ran with this through an um, Enterprise Techstar and now is with Cambridge Future Tech up at Bradfield as a venture builder. And now that she's founded the company, which is called Mimicrete Limited, and they've just raised something in the order of 450k for uh, an Innovate UK grant and are now attracting um, VC seed funding. So there's, there's a really fantastic success story. Um, also, Eugene Park in my first enterprise tech cohort came to us with an idea that had come out of Ingo Ringshausen's lab uh, in haematology. And that ended up being Stroma Bioscience Limited. So Eugene stepped back, I think went back to um, the States, and one of our past enterprise tech students took over as CEO. And Stroma's now doing very well and has been working with Startcodon, who we're, we're very closely aligned with. 
Um, another student is Yudi Ding, who is a chemistry PhD student when he came to us in 2019 on Enterprise Textile. And he founded Hyde Biotech that is now up and running on the Cambridge Science Park in Milton. And they are looking at making synthetic leather, biosynthetic leather, um, out of waste products. He now has a staff and lab of seven and is now going into the next phase of fundraising. So yes, stuff does happen with our enterprise textile students. That's great. That's great. Let's now talk about um, sustainability. Um, and, and sustainability and how we impact the environment is very much at the forefront of people's minds and we're all very much encouraged to be more sustainable. How do you, as the head of entrepreneurial learning programmes, how do you address sustainability within the programme material so that participants are at least considering the sustainability or impact of their product or technology as they navigate their entrepreneurial journey? You can't, we can't look at a world now without thinking about what it's going to be like in five years, 10 years, 50 years. So sustainability um, and all of the goals around that are extremely important. And it's something that, you know, there's a, a, a big uh, movement across the business school to ensure, you know, that uh, sustainability and ESG is really looked at and talked about and filters into everything that we do in terms of awareness and getting it onto people's radar. So with Enterprise Tech, you know, I routinely um, incorporate faculty lectures from business school members to talk about circular economy, sustainability, and looking at systems and how to operate within them. And some quite complex stuff as well, and some very straightforward material. So, for instance, um, Jennifer Howard Grenville, um, she's our Diego Professor of Organisation Studies, does a fantastic lecture on entrepreneurship and great ideas and innovating for sustainability. And although many of our cohort, you know, 60 or 70 of them hear that lecture for the first time, it's stuff they knew in a way, but it had never been condensed into this, you know, eye-opening, eye-watering kind of impactful talk, you know, where all of these frameworks are brought together and highlighted. And they can see the immediate reference of this sort of material to the projects that they're working with. So, yeah, circular economy and sustainability, really important parts. So that's through the lecture material and the content the students receive um, for enterprise tech, but also through the projects that we select from inventors for student teams to work on. Um, that's a really important part, too. And so we have quite a bit of control, myself and Gina, who's an astrophysicist. So we're both two female scientists that run enterprise tech. And... We really do actively recruit projects that fall within, you could say, UK Research Council type of themes. And all of those are geared towards you know, environment and sustainability. And it also helps us as well with how we look to the rest of the university in terms of you know, following through the funding themes, because a lot of the students that come, you know, get extra funding from BBSRC or EPSRC to come on the programme. At the same time, we can say, well, actually, we are working with these sorts of projects that fit within, you know, the research and innovation themes. 
form of sustainability. So some of the projects, for instance, that come through, we had one that came through from uh, the chemical engineering department on green ammonia, which was a very fascinating project from this year. We've had autonomous solar powered aircraft. So that kind of project. We've had uh, methane capture from hydropower that came from the Carbon 13 Venture Builder. Liz's project on self-healing concrete. So Yes, we have lots of projects coming in. Yes, they've all got a STEM kind of flavour, right? But they all generally fit, or the ones that actually make it through, fit within this remit that all have, you know, sustainability or something new and different to help and contribute to, uh, you know, our future world um, at the forefront. That's fantastic. That is really great to hear and lovely as well to to understand how it's embedded from the beginning so that participants really get that understanding. It's already there. And anybody actually listening right now and wondering how much sustainability is covered, it clearly is covered. Yeah. That is really, really great. That is lovely. Thank you so much for that, Rebecca. I'm just moving on to connections we, we've talked through the conversation about connections and those barking on an entrepreneurial career may be coming from a different environment different mindset they're in the research work they're in labs etc and networking might not come naturally to them mm-hmm. what advice would you give Rebecca to a person starting their entrepreneurial career about how to build their connections and networks do you have any tips Yeah, okay. So very often when I meet a first cohort of enterprise tech students, these can be, you know, range in age from a 20-year-old undergraduate to 45-year-old senior postdoc from another university. You know, so you've got a big spread of life experience. They, in general, don't have a structure for networking, right? You know, it's like, oh, well, I'll talk to people about the stuff I know and it's really interesting. And then we have a chat and we'll have a beer after the lectures or whatever. But that actually isn't constructive networking. So we do, uh, on Enterprise Tech, we do have an Enterprise Tech style. We do cover um, active networking and how to look at your own networks and whether you have quite a condensed network or a sparse network and then processes and habits that you can work with to develop your network and um, so having a look at who you know and then look at where they're all clustered and then start thinking about well who is it you don't know around what areas and then make an make a, a, an attempt to go and try and get some connections here and there Where are you going to get these connections? You need to get yourself out to some of these, uh, the networking activities. I mean, there's loads of things going across the university. Um, I'm sure, you know, for the final, for the Chris Abel postdoc business plan competition from Cambridge Enterprise, that's a great place. Loads of like-minded people. You can just show up. You don't have to commit to anything. There's the Trinity Bradfield Prize um, that's run up at the Bradfield Centre. That's another opportunity to go along and watch but pretty much every week as I've found um, there's something going on in Cambridge around entrepreneurship right (laughs) so you know get out there and start talking to people and another tip would perhaps be 
perhaps talk less about your ideas initially and talk to them about theirs and their motivations because they're much more interested in talking about themselves when they've got going, you know, than listening to people really sort of worrying and struggling to, you know, develop their own narratives. So get out there, hey, wow, that's fantastic. I love your bit on X, Y, Z. Tell me how you got to that. So you're building your own knowledge, but then don't fail to connect with them. Okay, so the follow up is really important. You go and have that great conversation with somebody, you've learned a lot from them, and then connect with them through LinkedIn with a little note to say, hey, it was nice to meet you. Don't just send a, a, a blind connection. One thing that we ask all of our enterprise tech students to do is to connect with all of our speakers and mentors. You know, so if you think 40 hours of lectures, that's about 40 people um, across the Cambridge ecosystem and from external organisations. That's already a lot of people, cover, you know, that you're covering in your network. So not only getting out and going to the networking events, loads and loads of stuff, um, update your LinkedIn profile. Because if you've not looked at it in, well, ever, or have one, not have one at all, go and put something up there, you know, a little bit about yourself. Be a little bit creative. And so when you do connect with people, you've got that there and ready. Um, so it's not like a CV. Use it more as a, a tool, you know, and it's also not quite social media. So, you know, you need to find your niche with LinkedIn to make it work for you. From your own personal journey, can you tell me briefly about a time when a connection or network led to an opportunity you would not have got otherwise? Well, 2018, I went down to the Royal Society in London and it was for a one day you know, conference that was very interesting for me. And at the tea break, I saw this woman across the, 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 the room and I looked at her and I thought, I really know her. And she was doing the same to me. So I thought, you know, running through your mind, chemistry department, she was Cambridge. (laughs) And she actually came up to me and said, I'm sure I know you. You're Rebecca. You've been my yoga teacher in Cambridge. And I'm, okay. (laughs) And I'm trying to run through, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of faces, but generally people in far fewer clothes. And I see them in the day to day. (laughs) Anyhow, so Gina and I had a really great conversation. Um, She's from Lebanon originally. Uh, She's now settled in Cambridge. She's an astrophysicist. And then at that point, she was um, a fellow at Wolfson and um, and a postdoc at the Institute of Astronomy. Um, You know, in the first couple of years of enterprise tech, you know, between us, we were working so many hours. We didn't expect enterprise tech to be taken up so wildly by so many people, the operational aspects of that are really challenging. So we had an opportunity to uh, create a program manager role and I brought Gina in um, to, to run that. And had I not gone to the Royal Society, had she not, if I hadn't have done other stuff like yoga or whatever it was, we wouldn't have met. And even though Gina at the moment is on maternity leave back in Lent term, she's an absolute driving force and has the same kind of vision for enterprise tech and enabling scientists to, you know, fulfil dreams and build businesses. And that's a really important part of, you know, the relationship that we have to do things well together is, you know, greater than the sum of the parts. And again, that connection, you know, just out of the blue and 
it's worked. It's it's led to uh, you know a, a long term relationship working together to to as you said fulfil dreams and build businesses. So that's a lovely story. Thank you for that. What or who inspires you, Rebecca? Oh, okay. So I was thinking about inspiration. You know. I certainly think in the last, you know, four years as I've been building enterprise tech and enterprise textile, it, it is a who, but it's really the gener- the, this present generation of brilliant researchers that we have now that are so motivated for making a difference, you know, not only just for the, the planet, but all the lives living on it. And that inspires me because some of the people that I've come across in enterprise tech and some who have also gone on to enterprise textile are just so incredibly motivated. So it's it's a really great symbiotic relationship. So those are the people that inspire me the most. Lovely. Great. Great to hear how that how that all fits in. And that, I get you, you said the word it's that symbiotic relationship there. It, it, you know, it all feeds in in that virtuous circle manner. That's fantastic. Is it about the journey or the destination? Uh, always the journey. Always the journey. Yeah. Uh, have your mind focused on exactly what the destination is. Don't let it be too blurred and have it as a laser point and then forget about it and focus on the journey. Absolutely. Quite agree. High energy fitness class or a yoga mindfulness class? Oh, you know what? I like high energy yoga. So, <laughs> so I, I'm a glutton for punishment. I like the 90, 90 minutes. I like the, the routine of 26 postures and I like to sweat and not be able to leave the room. So that is high energy and it's yoga. Um, but in terms of teaching, mindfulness, absolutely key. Brilliant. And finally, if you could time travel, where would you go and when? Wow. Oh, oh God. I'd like to just go to a lot of places. I think I have a natural calling probably to, you know, I have an inner Viking. So, you know, I'm very connected to the earth. So perhaps I'd travel back then. Viking times. I like it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, strong female leaders there too. So absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, Rebecca. Thank you so, so much um, for your conversation and being part of this Joining the Dots podcast and sharing your knowledge and experience of developing innovative programs that support research, translation and entrepreneurship. We've got so much. In particular, I I like the line and I'm going to take this one actually for myself. It's all about fulfilling dreams and building businesses. I really like that that phrase that you said. I, I think it's, it's, it says so much, but also the the democratizing access. They're having participants from a different different places across the UK. That collaborative effort that they're put into to in a team to create and share something new and viable and feasible. I really like that, you know, and and also networking. You know, you shared some great advice there identify gaps in your connections and networks and and start to look at how to fill them, start talking to people, but about other people's ideas and not your own. And then follow follow up. Absolutely key. Remember to connect and you can do that via Connect Health Tech. So there we (laughs) are. Thank you so, so much. Thank you very much, Paula.